In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, today we have in the Gospel the account from Saint Luke about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who got his salary from the Romans, and we can imagine he was making a good salary, and um, was quite well off, and provoked a certain antagonism um, from the people because uh, all that money was gotten off their backs because he would charge them taxes and keep all that money for himself or a lot of it at least for himself and indeed many public officials at that time were guilty of such abuses like this so people really painted him with the same brush as all the rest so the gospel implies that this man also had uh, things to seek forgiveness for but it is really beautiful to see that despite the fact that he had committed wrong we don't know exactly how much but we know he committed wrong that he had been unjust that he kept money you know money that was really not his own he nevertheless quite was quite keen about seeing jesus he was eager about you know about this idea of being able to see you lord jesus meaning that he had both a good curiosity and also an openness to Jesus, to this man that he had heard so much about. But he really wanted to see Jesus for himself. He wasn't going to go just by hearsay and uh, what he had heard. He didn't really trust entirely the gossip that he was hearing. And one can imagine that he was that he was moved by grace because his keenness was not simply an external curiosity. And I would imagine that there were other collect tax collectors around too that were, well, also unjust, and maybe even received a grace from God, but they resisted, and they didn't change or convert, as we see in the story of Zacchaeus. They kind of dug their heels in, they would not change their lifestyle. As we will see, Zacchaeus changed his lifestyle, he completely changed his life, really, after meeting with Jesus. And that means that Zacchaeus had this inner malleability. His character was somewhat like this soft wax that could easily take on the print of Christ when Christ passed by his way, when Christ was passing by. And that keenness to see Jesus really was what characterized him. And it was shown by the fact that he overcame a personal obstacle that he was facing. And what was that? Well, we all know he was short in stature. He was, who knows how many feet tall he was, but I'm sure he suffered a lot of humiliation from this, that there were a lot of events in his life that he simply missed, that everybody else saw, but he was too short. He couldn't see over the shoulders of people. And I would imagine that this led often to discouragement, 
that you know the, the, this was an objective obstacle eh? and we indeed have objective obstacles in our lives some that we're born with others that are just weaknesses that we've accumulated and what is clear is that is that we cannot let discouragement set the tone St. Josemaria used to say that discouragement and sadness is the ally of the enemy. Right? The ally of the enemy. So, so imagine if you and I have, have given in to discouragement and we see our weaknesses or something goes wrong, well somehow when that happens, the devil's happy. The devil, oh, I'm so happy that uh, so-and-so is discouraged or sad. I am, like, way happy. Because in some way, it it keeps us from God in some way. And But furthermore, do you really want to make the devil happy? I mean, you know, we don't want to make the devil happy. And, well, I'm imagining Zacchaeus, well, he was discouraged on numerous occasions, but he overcame that. Let us see perhaps a text that can help us to examine the story of Zacchaeus is a text uh, from World Youth Day that uh, Pope Francis gave back in 2016. As you know, World Youth Day is a big boost for all these young people. They go out and they, they really want to live their faith and then they you know, they're living in the secularized world. They may feel quite insecure about themselves, uh, about witnessing their faith about being daring and they sometimes see their own limitations their own weaknesses or even for that matter the lack of knowledge of their own faith even their own inferiority their personal inferiority compared to their peers who maybe are very secularized or you know atheist or something so that's why when they go to World Youth Day it really gives uh, a boost to their sense of self-confidence they see hey like they look around wow there's all these other young people you know it's very encouraging hmm? And perhaps, perhaps that's why in 2016 Pope Francis zeroed in on this figure of uh, Zacchaeus when he was at World Youth Day in Krakow 2016. And he mentions that, well, Zacchaeus didn't himself believe that he was worthy of receiving God's mercy and love. This self-doubt prevented him from realizing really his deepest identity as a child of God. And, and so the Pope explained that, that this failure to recognize our own worth, he said, quote, is like walking away when God wants to look at me, trying to spoil his dream for me. God loves us the way we are, and no sin, fault, or mistake of ours makes him change his mind. Well, that's, that's what the Pope said about, about God's love for us. And then he said that every person is special, unique, and important to God. He sees beyond our external or exterior appearance and our material possessions, and he goes straight to our heart. He says, the Pope says, God counts on you for what you are, not for what you possess. And therefore, he said that dwelling on our sins and troubles, he said, is a kind of virus infecting and blocking everything. It closes doors and prevents us from getting up and starting over. 
Isn't that true? How, because this was 2016, and uh, of course, the Pope obviously didn't know about COVID, but of course, COVID has closed many doors and has prevent us, prevented us from going places and, and being up in the open, and being out in the open. And, uh, and, and this is uh, what, what happens when we just dwell on our sins, just dwell on our troubles, our weaknesses, our limitations. And maybe this was a, a big temptation also for Zacchaeus. He just dwelt on, I'm, I'm, too, I'm not too tall, I'm not, too, I'm not able, I can't go on. And, he, and maybe he stayed inside all the time. In contrast, God has unfailing hope in our potential and is always, the Pope said, cheering us on. And he advised us that we begin each day with the prayer, Lord, I thank you for loving me Help me to be in love with my own life. And this is, well, okay, this is what the Pope suggests as a morning offering. Lord, I thank you for loving me. Help me to be in love with my own life. And uh, that's that's quite a statement, to be in love with my own life. You know, it doesn't mean, I don't know, to love myself in a disordered manner, but it's to love what you have given me, Lord. Na- naturally, it would not make sense to hate what God loves. If I have very low esteem for myself, and uh, I believe, but I cannot change, that I'm always going to be like this, you know, it's uh, it's in a certain way not having confidence in what God loves. It's it's a kind of giving us ourselves permission to stay in a mediocre position and not to grow. And, and so, when the Pope speaks, he has some very strong words for the youth of today. Even if we do see our obvious faults and our weaknesses, it's not to deny those, um, and perhaps they have been long-standing. Perhaps we are tempted to say something, well, that's the way I am, I, I can't change. And this is, well, this is the way Pope Francis describes it. He says, Zacchaeus ignored his pride and risked his reputation as a public figure by climbing a tree to encounter Jesus. Although aware of the risk and humiliation, he mastered his shame because the attraction of Jesus was more powerful. So we also have to do the same. We have to risk the, we have to whatever whatever risk this means in the context of our life. And when it comes to Jesus uh, we, we we can't sit around waiting with our own arms folded. You know, he offers us a life and we can't respond by thinking about it. Or the Pope said, we can't just think about it or, you know, texting a few words. Just texting a few words, he said. Well, maybe we could look at this phenomenon in our life and uh, see what is uh, a, a, an expression of a lack of robust faith. You know, in our life, this tendency to feel bad about ourselves, uh, wrongly equating uh, this bad feeling about ourselves with a kind of a false humility, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, we could just glide through life as though there's nothing to do. You know, our Lord in Saint Mark even backs this up when he attacks with powerful words from the prophet Isaiah. He says. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but...
their heart is far from me. This, this people honors me with their lips. Imagine, imagine doing just doing things externally, just with our lips. And of course, Isaiah bemoans this danger. Our Lord bemoans this that that it and that it could happen to us that we kind of just live on the periphery of of our existence. Just words, mere rituals, no real heart. We don't really do things with our heart, truly. This is not necessarily just feeling. You know, imagine all those Hail Marys we've said maybe kneeling and indeed looking pious. But my heart is full of the mold of anxiety, the mold of fear or worry, or even, for that matter, just glossing over the words. I mean, I understand we can get distracted, and, and so we come back, we realign our minds and our hearts and our lips. And, uh, and, but that's an essential question because, uh, you know, if it were true that we only honored God with our lips, it would, this would poison everything. It would be like the moldy carpets that come into houses that we see in houses because there's been a water leak and they start to smell up the place and you can get sick and, and, you know, you have to eventually tear them out and throw them out. Now, of course, nobody thinks of themselves as a hypocrite. Yet isn't it true that throughout our life we have been deficient in our thoroughgoing sincerity with God, sincerity with others, and sincerity uh, with ourselves? And we have to be like transparent with God, of course. He sees everything. But we also have to be transparent with others, especially in spiritual direction. Well, with ourselves when we examine our conscience. This is why the examination of conscience is so essential. It stops us I, I would say this, the examination of conscience every evening stops us from just living a life on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Autopilot. We're just going along and not really Im- seeking to improve ourselves. You may have heard that story of the Helios Flight 522. It, it was a Boeing passenger jet 737 in 2005 in Greece. There were 125 no, 121 passengers on board, and well, it took off, and and shortly after takeoff, it stopped responding to calls from the control tower. Just kept going, and you know they were trying to call the pilots. The pilots weren't answering, and they, it was like I don't know, like over half an hour. They were just not answering, so they sent up uh, these these F-16 fighter jets. Uh, to see what was going on. Maybe it had been hijacked or something. And so the the F-16s came along, right alongside the plane, and they could see the pilots in the window, and they were kind of like, kind of like bowing forward, and they could even see oxygen masks dangling ahead of them, and even, you know, like through the windows. But they were just, people were, they could see people, but oxygen masks hanging, and they were still not getting responses from the pilots. And it looked like they were all passed out due to lack of uh, cabin pressure. And so, uh, well, what turned out was that somebody, one of the pilots, had not turned a, a switch that would automatically send oxygen to those masks. And so, well, the plane was on autopilot. It just drifted along, just kept going. There was no oxygen in the plane, and just kept going until it ran out of fuel, and then ended up landing in the in the field. And of course. Uh, it just everybody was killed, and it came to be known as the ghost plane. You know, it was a very sad uh, tragedy. And uh, and <laughs> you know, could it happen that I'm going through my life like a like a ghost plane? 
without real oxygen infusing my daily life and that my soul might pass weeks, maybe months, just living on the thin veneer of religiosity and without a real life-giving oxygen, the life-giving oxygen of freedom in my response to God's grace. I apply that to my Lord, to myself now, Lord, because you see through those veneers. You can make uh, a house look like solid wood, but the structure is weak. The revetment is only, of course, is only uh, an appearance. It's, it's not what makes it strong. Well, Pope Francis says that there are times uh, in our lives when we aim lower than higher. And this permanent insecurity is accompanied by a fear of error and failure because it, this would reveal to others uh, uh, our worthlessness, our, our inferiority. Indeed, the Pope uh, speaks of Zacchaeus who had this intense curiosity to see Jesus, but at the same time, well, this human respect was stifling him and he was afraid to look ridiculous. This is how Pope Francis re resolves this dilemma that Zacchaeus was facing. He said uh, in Krakow, again in World Youth Day, he said, you know what happens when someone is so attractive that we fall in love with them. We end up ready to do things we would never even have thought of doing. Something similar took place in the heart of Zacchaeus when he realized that Jesus was so important that he would do anything for him since Jesus alone could pull him out of the mire of sin and discontent. The paralysis of shame did not have the upper hand. And of course, that's from, from World Youth Day in Krakow in 2016. Well, the grace of that unforeseeable moment was, was such that it completely changed Zacchaeus's life. That's when he said, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. Well, that's a lot. I mean, who knows how much he would be left with, right? This was a very generous response to a grace that he received from Jesus. It was a way of thanking him. He never thought of that before. Even when people sneered at him, his conscience had been hardened. It was hardened before. Maybe God kind of sent him that grace, but he, he had a hard conscience. But now, upon meeting Jesus, opening his heart, being transparent with him, everything changes. This is what happens, certainly in spiritual direction. You open your heart, you articulate your faults, your struggles, well, if you can, if you do that, both in confession and in spiritual direction, you can receive a huge grace, just like the huge grace that Zacchaeus received. When we can do that, ask for the grace of Zacchaeus. It's a special grace of God for a real conversion. And the the more one advances in the interior life, the more clearly one sees one's own faults. Maybe your spouse has been trying to show you, or a friend has been trying to show you, or a spiritual director has been trying to show you. So we have to be open to grace, like Zacchaeus. 
because grace works in us like a magnifying glass so that even the tiniest speck or uh, of dust or even the in- invisible grain of sand can appear uh, large and uh, for the soul it acquires a kind of uh, the soul acquires a kind of a divine sensitivity and even the slightest shadow uh, irritates one's conscience which finds delight only in the limpid clarity of God. Right? St. Rosemary said in The Way of the Cross, referring to Zacchaeus, referring to Simon of Cyrene, to Dismas, the, 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 bad, the good thief rather, and to, the, and to the centurion, now you know why our Lord has sought you out. Thank him, opere et veritate, with deeds and in truth. And so Zacchaeus realizes that he's responsible now with his, with his wealth. He's responsible. And he understands that he has to make restitution in some way. And he sees that now he owes others. That is what the grace made him see. So what has the grace made you see? How and in what can you begin again? Have I been generous in my life? in deeds and in truth, eh? as St. Rosemary says, in opere et veritate. What will it be like when they tell me that I have cancer and I'm basically going to die? Can I say that I've been generous with my life, with my works, with my time? Maybe, maybe you've heard that story about John D. Rockefeller, the famous oil ty- tycoon in the 19th century. At the age of 53, John D. Rockefeller, uh, sometime in the 1890s or something, he was uh, struck by a very mysterious illness that caused all his hair to fall out and made him unable to to just digest food. And he was was reduced to eating these these thin soda crackers and and water, and and he kept growing weaker and weaker and more and more depressed. And he had a whole team of doctors, the best doctors that money could buy, and they couldn't provide a medical diagnosis and uh, just couldn't offer any medic- medicines that could cure him of this malady. So he was utterly perplexed, and they were perplexed, so they gave him a year to live. Then, uh, one night, unable to sleep and fretting over his life, he came to a life-changing insight. He realized that even though he was the wealthiest man in the world, his money couldn't extend his life and he couldn't take it with him and that maybe well despite all that he had missed the mark so when he got up the next morning he rose with a new resolve he started giving away the wealth that he had accumulated and used it to make a positive difference in the world in the very brief time that he had left and he gave away hundreds of millions of dollars for hospitals universities medical research to, to, to his church and to missions and his contributions actually helped with the discovery of cures for many deadly diseases, at the, like even for plagues, uh, uh, you know, for a long time. And his generosity, uh, you know, keeps on giving to this very day through this, this Rockefeller Foundation, which he founded. And, uh, you know, and it was continued by his son, John D. Rockefeller Jr. And then suddenly, the illness that threatened his life well, it just disappeared as mysteriously as it had uh, appeared. And miraculously, his health returned, 
and you know, uh, even though they said they gave him, gave him one year, he ended up living another 45 years, and he died at the ripe old age of 98. He wanted to get to 100, but well, he only made it to 98. Well, it's not too bad. 98 is not too bad. So, I think the cure was found only when he stopped focusing on himself and this insatiable appetite for just a little bit more, as he used to say. I just want a little bit more. Instead of discovering the meaning of, you know, of, of life and generosity. That was the key of his conversion. So as we saw in the story of Zacchaeus, the key of his conversion is that he, he turned to our Lord in trust. And this helped him overcome his own weakness, his own attachments. And he had that weakness, but he really became strong when he trusted in the Lord. And, uh, of course, here's the advice of St. Josemaria on how to become stronger and ultimately you know, how to convert. He said in, in Friends of God, in one of his homilies, What other advice do I have for you? Well, simply to do what Christians who have really tried to follow Christ have always done, and to use the same means employed by the first men who felt prompted to follow Jesus, developing a close relationship with our Lord in the Eucharist, a childlike recourse to the Blessed Virgin, humility, temperance, and mortification of the senses or, or penance. You do that, and you're very, you're very well off. He said. There is, after all, a serious danger that we lose the focus, either by going on autopilot all the time and not stopping to begin again, not stopping to examine our conscience and to see where we are going. There's the danger, you know, that we just, well, that we just work and work and work and what we call activism. We end up neglecting our prayer. We neglect self-denial. And uh, those means which, which allow us to arrive at solid interior piety, when we receive the sacraments frequently, we have time to meditate, spiritual reading, our love for our Blessed Mother. Those, those things help us not to be on autopilot. If we stay on autopilot, we'll end up eventually running out of fuel, right? That's certainly what happens with somebody who is focused on activism. They eventually just run out of fuel. Well, and then they, they could crash and get burn out and crash into the into the the hills of, of Greece, as that story of the ghost plane was. So let us ask our Blessed Mother now, as we finish our time of prayer, to give us that humility to begin again, to start again, and get that guidance, especially in spiritual direction, and we'll be able to they'll be able to point out. Uh, our, our defects, our weaknesses, and uh, count on very a very unique grace of God, eh? so that like the chaos, we can suddenly become much more generous than we ever imagined we could be, eh? and live our life in the service of the Church, in the service of all. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. 
My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.